Please join with me in today's scripture reading from Matthew 1, verses 17 through 19. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. This is the word of the Lord. And if you give a warm welcome to Albert, this is his first Sunday back. As Steph said, it is my first Sunday back, so I haven't done any public speaking for three and a half months. So I, I think I'm rusty. I don't know yet. You'll find out. I, I didn't think I was going to be as emotional coming back, but uh, it has been kind of strange. I, I visited quite a few churches these past three and a half months, and uh, it doesn't quite feel the same as being here for me. Um, I want to first thank the elders for generously giving me uh, this time that I had off with my family and thank our staff and ministry leaders, deacons, for continuing with ministry here. Uh, this sabbatical gave me an opportunity to go deeper into my spiritual uh, as well as um, personal development and a time for me to refocus and renew my spirit and mind, especially surrounding some issues um, with my family. I was feeling very emotionally, spiritually drained, and I'm not exempt from the toll that these past two years have taken on all of our lives. I'm, I'm in this global pandemic with you. I'm in this economic downturn with you. I'm in this political, social injustice that is all around of our communities with you. Um, my family, family has felt these pressures as well and these stresses, which is a, a the biggest reason why I needed the sabbatical, and I promise I'll get to the Advent message soon. But I just wanted to give you some background as to how uh, the theme of this year's Advent was landed on. And we're going to be looking at Advent through the eyes of Joseph, Jesus's earthly father, to think about the coming of Christ in the life of Joseph. Now, how, how, how did this even come about? Well, in the past three and a half months, as a husband, as a father, and one who has a dysfunctional family, much like Joseph and Mary and Jesus, a very dysfunctional family with their brothers and sisters. And so these past three months had me meditating on Ephesians 5 and 6, as that's our series, and we'll get to that after our Advent series. And because of Ephesians 5 and 6, it helped me look at myself as a husband, a father, employer, employee, child. It helped me see Advent in a different perspective as well because of what me and my family are going through. Um, many of you are aware that my father has a serious heart condition, so I was with him quite a few times in Southern California to take care of things there and his recovery from surgery. And I got the chance to work with his healthcare team in regards to his recovery and all the concoctions of meds that he had to experiment through and needed to figure out. 
And I also have an aunt with stage four metastatic breast cancer, um, and she's married to my uncle who has a terminal illness. And then I lost a first cousin who's just three years older than me, someone I, I grew up with my entire life. He's the one my parents exposed me to to get chicken pox because there weren't vaccines back when I was a child. We just kind of like put them with other kids. That, 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 that was the cousin that gave me chicken pox. And then lastly, I, I got permission from my wife and daughter to share this, but they've both been medically diagnosed with a severe depression. I didn't think that I was going to get emotional about that. Started with my daughter, who uh, has been suicidal. She's, so she's had her ups and downs, and now she has a really good team taking care of her with a psychiatrist and therapist. And that took a while. She's still not out of the woods and played with different meds and different dosages. And, and what, really ha what, what, what really impacted my daughter has really impacted my wife. So she's um, also really affected by this as well with anxiety and depression. So she's under the care of a psychiatrist and therapist as well, and she's medicated also. And I share these things with you because I hope to free any of you who can possibly feel a stigma about mental illness, that you're in a safe place here, that our church is not going to judge you or condemn you or any of your loved ones, and you have a safe place here. Because if you don't, then I don't. And um, I will. <laughs> I've been here for 21 years, and uh, this place will be safe for you. And some Christians are really good at enforcing this stigma, and I'd, I'd love for you to just be free of it, and to be transparent, and to be vulnerable here, and just to know that you have a place here to go through these things. We won't be perfect. Uh, we won't know everything to do or to say. Um, but we'll go through with it, these problems with you, as I myself am going through these things. And there is an empathy here, and um, I, I think it's pretty safe. And if it's not, then let, let's talk about it, and we'll create that safe space for us. So Advent, uh, during this time, uh, people tend to gravitate towards uh, the cheerful and the happy and the joyous, and sorry to put that downer already on you. And I'm not saying that that stuff isn't so. But I also want us to take a look at the other side of things where this season can be particularly challenging for people, especially if they're alone or suffering from a depression or suffering from something that has them holding back. And so during this time when we're supposed to feel happy and we see everyone around us happy. And everything we hear and everything we smell and it's supposed to lead us into a direction that we actually just don't feel that way. 
And so we take a look at Joseph as an example of this because it's supposed to be a celebratory time. It's supposed to be a happy time. He's betrothed. He's a, he's a newlywed, essentially, to Mary, and it's not the best of circumstances. There's a baby on the way that's not his. And maybe in our culture, in our time, we're able to accept those things. But back in Joseph and Mary's time, this is not acceptable at all. And so it's a source of these problems within their communities and in their families. And then on top of that, there is this political instability that they're going through with Herod and leadership who has them leaving town because he's going to kill every infant boy under two years old. And so it's not exactly those Advent emotions that we're familiar with today that they were even experiencing back then. It's not what they were familiar with at all. I think if they were here today, they'd be like, this is crazy. What are you guys talking about? It's not like this at all. And so this is how the Gospel of Matthew starts. It starts with this genealogy of Jesus Christ and we're just going to take a look at a, a few of these verses, not the entire thing. So I'm going to read through verses 1 through 6, and then verse 12, and then 15 through 19. And there's a reason for this, but let me read this for us. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed by the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and after the deportation, verse 12, to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, verse 15, and Eliud, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed by to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly. Genealogy has become big business in our uh, world. I, I, some of you might get Christmas presents with this, right? Ancestry.com, 23andMe, Family Tree DNA, Living DNA, My Heritage. There's so many. You can even get them for your dog. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can even get it for your dog. Some people are so into this stuff. My mother-in-law is crazy about this stuff. She'll, she'll go visit these people, essentially strangers. Like, on the other side of the planet, she'll fly to Europe to visit these people that are so far removed. And that's what technology has allowed us to do today, is to find these people. And so thousands invested in this, right? Airfare, lodging, food, all this kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, like, I haven't seen my cousin in Fremont in, like, five years. And she's just, like, right down the way, like, so strange. But, but most people, when they look at family trees, they don't get all that excited about it. Most people. Unless there's some, someone really historical in there and be like, hey, you know, that person 
was a king or something like that. Like, you know, like, like they, other than that, it's just, it's a farmer, it's a factory worker, like just like me. Like we're just regular people. There's nothing big about us. But here in Matthew, there's a list of very historical people. And even then, people aren't excited about this, right? Like even when we look at this, King David, woo, like who cares, right? Like, but when people ask about where to start reading the Bible, I typically don't recommend Genesis or Matthew, even though those are the first books of like the Old Testament, New Testament. I, I tend not to do that because read how it starts. You know, the, somebody that's never read the Bible before, they open it up to Matthew and that's what you want them to read. They, they'll like give up. So I remember when my daughter started reading the Bible and she asked me, Dad, why, why, would, you, why would they start writing about Jesus like that? It's so boring. And why is, the, why is Matthew the first gospel of the New Testament? It's, it's just not the, the greatest intro, intro into the greatest story ever told, but, but this is how the, the New Testament and the gospel of Matthew starts. And most churches don't use Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus, as their biblical text during Advent. I don't know how many of you have been part of that, but most of the time they don't go through this. Yet here it is. It is the first part of Matthew. This is how it is introduced to us. And so, obviously, it is of great significance. And from Abraham in verse 1 to Joseph in verse 16, why is it laid out like this? Because this is a declaration of redemption. This is a declaration of new beginnings. And Matthew recorded all of these people of significance ending with Jesus to show whoever read this, and particularly Jewish readers, that Jesus is the ultimate meaning to this historical genealogy. Now there are so many stories from within this genealogy, I'm not going to be able to cover all of them. And the entire Old Testament can tell you about this. And, and those stories will be made clearer in the light of Jesus. And all these ups and downs of all these characters in the Old Testament, some mentioned in this genealogy, given purpose as to why they went through what they went through. And so those promises made to Abraham all the way down the line culminated in the birth of Jesus Christ, Jesus who fulfills God's promise to Abraham that what was made in Genesis chapter 26, that promise made that when God said to Abraham, in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That through Jesus, at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus even gives this great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So God's promise to Abraham fulfilled in Christ, and Christ has commissioned us to continue with his gospel Matthew 1 points out that Jesus is the son of Abraham and also points out that he's the son of David. Why does he do this? Because a promise was also given to David, which Jesus also fulfilled. David's offspring will sit on the throne forever. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. So promises to Abraham and David 
fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and the story of Jesus Christ is that of redemption. That in every generation when there is a great failure, a darkness, a suffering, a despair, a depression, a death, God redeems. God redeems. From Abraham to David, there, there were very dark times. From David to the Babylonian captivity, very dark times. From the Babylonian captivity to Jesus Christ, really dark times. And from Christ to where we are today, we experience very dark times until Christ's return. And then it is redemption one last time. So Jesus Christ, God incarnate 2,000 years ago, arrives and then let's look back to verse 18 of chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And this is something about Advent we need to keep in mind. That it doesn't come from within us. It comes from outside of us, from the Holy Spirit, that whatever people want to make of Advent and create of Advent, you and I simply cannot do that. Advent was brought to us by God. It was given to us. It doesn't come from within. So that those sayings of like, love and care and all the compassion all just it comes from within it's in within every person and you just have to express it no god gave that to you god gave that ability to you and so when people keep looking into themselves to become more spiritual to be better to be good to be whatever it is that advent is about to have that so-called christmas spirit you're completely missing the point because Christmas came down to us from God and is given to us. It is not innately in you. It is God himself who came to the world and assumed our human nature by his grace that the word became flesh. That glory became humility. That majesty became shame. So that you and I can be redeemed from the darkness of this world. Let's be honest, all of us have dysfunctional families like Jesus' family. If you don't, adopt me, please. I, I'll be glad to join yours. But we all have genealogies that have like dark spots in them, right? Just like the genealogy of Jesus. Jesus had some serious family issues. Just like yours and mine. I mean, look at this genealogy. It's ugly. But he came to redeem our families. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus' family tree is not perfect 
but that is the genealogy. He came through, through the Virgin Mary, and he came without any sin. Now, you and I, all of us have sin, but he who knew no sin came to a world full of sin for us. And he came, and he's not ashamed to call us brother, not ashamed to call us sister. Now, it, we, we all know it's really challenging to become close to people who are completely different from you, right? To call someone a brother or sister who is a polar opposite of who you are. So just imagine that extremely politically conservative individual being a best friend with that person who's the most progressive individual that you've ever met. Is that even possible? Now, imagine Jesus who knew no sin at all, and he's being friends and brothers and sisters with sinners, that that is exponentially more miraculous. And he's not ashamed of those of us who are full of sin, that we're his siblings. And as his siblings, we are heirs. We are heirs of God. We have an inheritance with God. But it's not all what we think it is because Christ is the legal heir of Abraham and David, but he comes into this world with a carpenter as his father. Now, Some people may think, like, why, why am I going through these terrible things? Why, why is life so difficult? Why do I have all this suffering and pain? Why is my family this way? Why are they going through these things? And we have to think back to Christ. It's not like he just allowed himself the life of luxury and a life of comfort and a life of ease. And then you, everyone else has to suffer. But I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to set myself up okay. He doesn't do that at all. He comes poor. With ill reputation. Not much. And now how do we know that he's even poor? Well, you look back at the story that when they went to the temple to offer sacrifices, and according to Leviticus, the sacrifice is supposed to be a lamb in addition to a turtle dove or a pigeon. But if the people were poor, then they could bring two pigeons or two turtle doves. And so what do they bring? Right? Leviticus 12.8, it reads, If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. But what do Mary and Joseph offer? Look at Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to, the, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves or two pigeons. That's all they could afford. They're poor. And the home in which our Lord Jesus was born into couldn't even afford a lamb. And we've spoken about how the Lord must have prepared Mary for this moment in past Advents. You can listen to those. Not as much attention given to Joseph, and God must have been preparing Joseph for this moment as well. What made Joseph ready to be guardian of Jesus Christ? 
the legal father of Jesus Christ. You know, that's, that's a lot to ask of a mortal. Be the father of the Son of God. No thanks. Like, no. Right? We are told Joseph was a just man in verse 19, which tells us that he was a person of faith. We're just not told all that much about Joseph, though. We, we don't know that much. It, things about him aren't really recorded for us. And, and this is a really fascinating thing. There is no words of Joseph recorded. Like he, There's nothing said anywhere in the Bible of what he said. So there's like this interaction with angels, there's an inter interaction with Mary, there's interactions with Simeon and all these other people within the Bible, interactions with Jesus, but we, don't, we aren't given anything that Joseph has said. Isn't that so strange? But I do find it fitting because he knew who Jesus was. So what is there to say? Be a good boy? Like, what, what are you going to say to Jesus? It's God. And Joseph knew that he didn't conceive this child, that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit as the Son of God. And Joseph is there at the sacrifice. He's witnessing what has happened in the sacrifice in Luke chapter 22. Let's carry on with that story in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed that sword that sword would have pierced through Joseph's soul also it's not just Mary's soul I think what is being said here is that Joseph would die before he would see Jesus crucified so to experience that same thing that Mary would, it would be different. But if Joseph were alive to witness his son being murdered in front of him, his soul would be pierced also. It's not like he wouldn't feel anything. It's just he didn't live long enough to witness this. And no parent wants to go through the death of their child. When my cousin passed away several weeks ago, as I ministered to my aunt and my uncle, and they expressed to me how much pain and suffering they were going through. To go through the fear and the worry and anxiety of a child who is sick, who may or will die before you. And so I've spent many tear-filled evenings wondering about my suicidal kid. Many evenings setting my alarm clock to wake up so I could go in her room 
and make sure she was still there, that she was breathing, that I would feel her wrist to see if there was still a pulse, because she told me that the way that she was thinking of taking her life was taking a bunch of pills. So that night, we just cleared everything, and I put it into a safe. And so some of you have felt that sword pierce your soul because some of you have experienced the death of your child. Advent is so much more meaningful when you go through these bitter moments. This time that I'm cherishing with my girls, it, it's nice. It's nice to have younger children. It's nice to have an eight-year-old right now because she still wants to snuggle with me. And I appreciate holding their hands because the older they get, the less they want to do it. My eight-year-old holds my hand all the time, my 11 once in a while, my 13 I have to kind of grab, my 15 I definitely have to grab. But I imagine how it was for Joseph when Jesus came back to school and he asked him, and Joseph asked Jesus, so, so what did you teach the rabbis today? And my, my youngest is eight, and she's really spunky. She's full of energy. She still runs to the door to greet me and is excited to see me. And the other three don't do that. They just stay on their iPads or they're in their room or on the phone or whatever. They don't do that. But my eight-year-old comes out there along with my dog. My dog is very faithful, and he will be that way till the very end, which is why I love dogs. It doesn't matter if they're 15. They will do the same thing. My eight-year-old just drops everything, no matter what she's doing, to come over and give me a hug and to welcome me home. And so I imagine Jesus as this eight-year-old kid greeting Joseph when he comes home from work, before he was old enough to go to the shop with Joseph and learn the trade of carpentry. And then these tender moments between Joseph and Jesus. And for Joseph to think back to when Simeon was talking to Mary and saying, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That he probably knew he wasn't going to outlive Jesus, that he wasn't going to see that happen. But it probably didn't hurt any less. Knowing that they were going to kill your son. And so I wonder about Jesus when he was in synagogue or when he was in, in school learning the scriptures and, and then he read through Isaiah 53 and then as he's reading this, as he's getting older and then realizing the prophet Isaiah is writing about me and then how he went home to Joseph and Mary to talk about it. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Isaiah 53, let me read it for us. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his... As for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his land. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So I imagine Jesus as a boy asking Joseph, Abba, is there another way? Do I have to do that? Just as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane pleading before the Lord, and if there was another way, as an adult asking that, can you imagine as a child as this is being realized by little boy Jesus? And the sword piercing the soul of Joseph as he tried to comfort his son. Advent. It's a time to look at this immense distance from our Savior Jesus Christ who, who traveled from heaven's majesty and glory to earth's humiliation and shame and darkness. Also that this birth would lead to the sacrifice of the cross because he loves you and me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we gather this season to look at your beautiful story that you already had planned before we even existed, that you were going to redeem us, knowing the darkness we would experience because of our own sin nature. Yet you made a way for us that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us, that you would not remain distant in the heavens, but that you would come down and be here, right here with us. So may we reflect upon that. May this not just be another season that passes by and where we think of it just culturally with Christmas songs or exchanging of gifts or whatever else we do, getting together with families, whatever it is that we do, may we just not forget the peace that you bring as the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have uh, your communion elements, let's take that out. If you don't, just hold up your hand and, and we'll get that over to you. Let's first start out with 
that wafer on the top, symbolizing the broken body of Christ. Let's take that together in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And the fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ spilled for us. We take this in remembrance of Christ until his return. Let's take this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for these tangible signs of your sacrifice, of your love, grace, and mercy for us. We love you in Jesus' name.